This episode of the Word Bros Podcast is brought to you by Creative Contract Consulting. CreativeContractConsulting.com. No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. TheWordBros.com. Welcome to another edition of Word Bros. I'm Kevin Cuff. And I am Bob France. And we have a very, very good show this t- today. I'm really excited about it. We have a very special guest. We have Erica Schultz, who is here to promote her Kickstarter, The Deadliest Bouquet. The Deadliest Bouquet. And you will also see that Erica is a woman who wears many hats. Yeah. We didn't even talk to her because we recorded the interview already. But we didn't even talk to her about like her editing stuff over at Mad Cave and any of that other stuff. I wanted to, but yeah, yeah, there's just not enough time in one episode. Yeah, we got caught up talking about um, Transformers. (laughs) (laughs) And G.I. Joe. And it it happens on this podcast. It does. So um, the, the greatest thing about it was that Erica was just ready to talk about the Kickstarter and all the other things. And... Check it out. What you're doing i'm just gonna hit record and we're just gonna go erica okay they tell me i'm no do do what you gotta do man i like it <laughs> i feel bad for you because i see on your social media that you've done 5302 podcasts today just today just, just today. today just today <laughs> then, i'm so not this- kidding i've had three i've had three zoom meetings just today i have three podcasts tomorrow one at 12 three and six i've got two on friday two on saturday Monday I get off because it, uh, Sunday I get off because it is Mother's Day because I swear if I set up a podcast, my mother would kill me and the podcaster. Okay, okay, fair enough. Uh, next week is ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but this is what you do when well, you're it, asking people for money. Erica, like, like, you sh- exactly, you shouldn't <laughs> be so popular and, and so prolific in what you do. And it's hard begging for money on the internet. Uh, Begging, like, please, please, please give me money. I swear to God, it's a good book. I swear to God. <laughs> it's, it's a good looking book and it reads really well. I promise, sweet, please. Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, when, when Kickstarters first started and Indiegogo and everything, when it all first started, um, I talked to a friend of mine and I was like, it's digital panhandling. Like I was like so self-righteous about it. And then, you know, he was working at Indiegogo at the time and he said, he's like, you know, I don't think you really understand what the process is. And I don't think you really understand what you are sort of offering to people. You're not just saying, here's a book, buy it. Or, you know, here's a short film, buy it. He says, you're offering people the opportunity to be part of the creative process. And you're offering them the opportunity to say, I believe in you. I believe in you as a creator. I believe in you and your vision. Um, And I was like, oh man, now you got to get all like warm and fuzzy about it. (laughs) Now I can't be all angry and angsty about it now. I still think you can be angry and angsty about it. You have that right because yes, yes, you are correct that it is this 
wonderful tool that when used properly can really elevate your projects and your career. But at the same time too, it's still the most stressful 30 days of your entire existence. Well, we're doing 35. So why are you? (laughs) Because, you know, I mean, the Kickstarter goal for the deadliest bouquets, we're asking for a significant amount. We're asking for $20,000. And that's that's a lot of money. Yes. Um, and yes, I know it is. It, it's a lot of money. And, you know, we originally had a publisher set up for this and then uh, COVID hit and obviously plans changed. Um, and, and one of the things with this particular project was that I had been working on this story on and off for several years. And I just felt like I could not find the right through line. Um, and I always felt like I was you know, going down rabbit holes and the story was just getting too complicated and, and everything. So I brought on uh, James Emmett, who's the editor, who is, I mean, James is a phenomenal editor. He knows where the commas go and he can just see a story, see the through line. And I basically sent him these sort of half written scripts. And I said, look, I've, I've tackled the story from this character's perspective and this, and from this timeline and that. And I just, I was getting too mired in the details. And he, you know, took everything and read it all, absorbed it all and said, okay, take this from that and that from that and that from that and focus on these three sisters and their relationships uh, with their mother and with each other. And that's really where the story is. Um, so he, he really sort of put me on the straight and narrow. Uh, God bless him for that. Um, and then when the publisher backed out, there was a part of me that was like, oh, crap all right, fine, you know, we'll see how long this COVID thing happens. Because remember, we had no idea like how long anything was going to last. <laughs> um, and, and you know, James said to me, he's like, you know, we could do Kickstarters. I mean, James has worked on Kickstarters for both companies and for indie projects, and he's been very successful. And he said, we could do a Kickstarter for it. And there was a part of me that said, you know what, you've been on and off on this project for a couple of years now and and it's sort of like the universe telling you now that you have the through line just see it through to the end just just do it um so i was like ah well all right fine so (laughs) kicking and screaming uh you know in james i trust um and then you know and then i my calendar turned into podcast after podcast after podcast you know smiling and hawking my wares and being like please 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 give me money (laughs) to make this book because i swear it's actually really good well the cool part is i've read the first issue and it is really good but you already have a lot of it finished it looks like yes yeah we have um so it's going to be an ogn so originally it was going to be a five issue series but now we're just doing it in like in five chapters uh, and it, so it's going to be an OGN. And uh, the first chapter is complete. Letters, colors, everything. Uh, James is going to do one more pass just to make sure that my commas are in the right places. But other than that, I mean, that was that was in a good enough place that we felt uh, comfortable sending that out to reviewers, to podcasts, with the whole EPK. Um, the second uh, chapter, the line art is complete. Nice. Okay. Uh, uh, I got the last... Um, the last few pages of line art tonight it's complete corolla was like how, what is how is this i'm like you're a goddess um and so gab has already started uh on coloring because i mean i don't i don't know how much your your audience really knows about sort of the process you try and stagger the process a bit like as the inks pages are coming in 
the colorist can start working and stuff. This way, everybody's, you know, there's no real bottleneck when it comes to the, uh, the pipeline of putting out comics. So Gab's already been working on the earlier pages for, for chapter two. So now Gab can finish up chapter two. And, you know, next week, Carola can start on chapter three. Um, so we're moving along. And with luck, by the end of the Kickstarter, we will have the third chapter complete with line art and the second chapter complete with, with colors. So we'll be close to half done, you know, knock wood. So, I mean, come hell or high water, this book is going to get done, whether it gets done on my visa card or it gets done, you know, through <laughs> the kindness and, and, you know, and, and faith of, of Kickstarter backers. And belief in you though. And belief in yeah, you. Yeah. That, that's what I was going to say is, is you're not hawking your wares. <laughs> I know it sucks. That's a lot of, now mind you, I have my, my shark metal bro pin, you know, that I put yes. on my jacket. Yes. So. Like my, I, I, I know because you guys did Metal Shark Bro and it was like a whole yes. thing. Like yeah. I, I, you, you get it. You yes. get the yes. stress. Yes. That, <laughs> yes. You know, kind of thing. So, yeah. Now it's interesting because you mentioned the process and there are some people out there who are kind of process junkies as the writer and creator of this, of this, this beast that's on Kickstarter. How far <laughs> ahead do you like to stay with your scripts? Um, I have script number four right here noise uh and i have uh up to page i i go analog like i'll write i print it out and then i write on it so i've got up to page 16 fully done and then 17's got some notes so 17 through 22 has got some notes okay um but four is practically done script wise five is uh very tightly outlined that's a pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good distance to be ahead, especially if you're working with people who are fast. Yeah, you like, I mean, you like to stay ahead of the game. It's <laughs> when when the artist catches up to you as the writer, you're fucked. It's <laughs> like get your head out of your ass yeah. and do it. Yeah, you know. So I've I've been like really trying to like I've set myself as a deadline by um by May. What what's today? Today's the the fifth. fifth. It's May fifth of May. So by by May tenth, by the the Monday of next week to have a draft that's ready to go to James, to the editor, to look at mm -hmm. um, for, for issue four. I'm going to, on the eve of your Kickstarter, send him something <laughs> else to look at. You know, the, the poor man's going to wind up like, it's going to be like that scene from uh, Wizard of Oz, you know, that everybody said that guy, the producer was hanging in the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to be poor James, like, why is she doing this to me? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're no stranger to Kickstarter. You said you back Kickstarters before. So, like, besides James, was there another reason why you decided you want to do a Kickstarter? Or um, it was basically, I mean, to to be completely honest, a lot of it came down to you know we need the funds to do this. The mm -hmm. uh, original publisher was going to give us the funds to do the book, um, and it and it's you know we need the funds to do it. And with luck, we you know the twenty thousand dollars that we're asking is the bare bare minimum. Um, I would love to get more because I would love to be able to uh, pay myself. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Because I'm that writer who does the writing, the editing, the production, the graphic design, the everything, and then doesn't pay herself. 
Hey, we, we, we must have Wait. the same agent. <laughs> We're from the same agent. Yeah, that's the whole point. Too. But the thing is, when we did Metal Shark Bro Volume 1, we were because we asked for twenty five thousand dollars, and yeah. when Kevin said, "Because Kevin was the one leading that charge," oh, so blame he, it on him. When he it, said it, it, it was all my fault. When he said it, I can <laughs> feel my body just start to clinch yeah. up. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, after we made it, we had people coming out of the woodworks who don't know how comics and Kickstarters work. Going, what are you going to do with all that money you got? What are you going to do with all that? And I was like, and I, was like, and I said, what money? We didn't get <laughs> any money. You spent, about? Yeah. It's already spent. That's we, that's the funny thing about Kickstarters is that, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, a lot of people have these sort of aspirational pipe dream kind of goals. When when you're doing your budget, and and I, there's a fantastic book for Kickstarters that uh, Greg Pak put out uh, mm-hmm. called Kickstarter Secrets. And and if anybody's going to do their first Kickstarter, I beg you go to Greg Pak's website. P-A-K is how he spells last name. Go to Greg's website, get the book, um, and definitely look it over because that book is like the definitive handbook. You know, if you, you're asking for the bare minimum, that means that if you make that goal, that's fantastic, but that money's already spent. It's already like Mm -hmm. earmarked. So like... (laughs) If you think about it, it's like, yeah, um, yeah. If you ask for twenty five thousand dollars and you make four hundred thousand dollars, then yeah, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe you buy yourself a nice pair of Doc Martens. But the vast majority of people are not doing that, unless you're doing like the Keanu Reeves thing. Oh, yes. you just stole my, you just stole my line. Sorry, sorry. it's all good. Look, it's good. I love Keanu, but I'm just kind of like. Come on, did you really need to do a Kickstarter? Now, 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 I think I personally, I know this is, this is kind of divided the Kickstarter nation. There are people who feel the way you do. And there are people that feel the way Pat Shand, who's a friend of ours and how I feel about it. It's like, hey man, these are bringing people to the dance. So if they stick around, maybe, maybe Kickstarters will start doing better for everybody. No, and, and I, I think Pat is fantastic. I adore Pat and, um, I actually, I was very lucky. I worked with uh, Natasha Altarici on a short for Destiny, Destiny New York, uh, one of the volumes of Destiny New York. And, and Pat really, I mean, Pat has such a, a good eye and just sort of seeing more of the big picture. I think what happens sometimes is like when you're starting your own campaign or you just look at like one campaign, you just get so myopic about it. And it's like, you know, our Keanu Weaves getting bajillion dollars, you know, but, <laughs> but Pat really sees like the big picture and sees it as more of like a giant community rather than this one, you know, campaign versus another. So yeah, no, Pat, Pat, Pat is right. In Pat, we trust. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. yeah. He's yeah. Ginger Nas is always right. He's always <laughs> spitting the truth. Now we've talked yeah, a lot. That's fantastic. I love we talk, that. We, we talked a lot about the actual like nuts and bolts of Kickstarter, but we haven't talked about what the actual book is about. We've been rattling on it. We've been bitching about Kickstarter for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, but we haven't actually got so what's the story about here? Okay, so this is the best log line I have ever written, and I will never write a better log line better than this. <laughs> like I thought it, this is like winning an Oscar at the age of six. Like this is as high as I'm going. Okay, so in 1998, three sisters, three estranged sisters uh, trained by their Nazi hunting mother reunite after their mother's murder and try not to kill each other in the process. That's good. That's good log line. I like it. 
Now, did did you? I, I'm not gonna. Um, did you send that to your editor friend, or is that all you? No, that I actually came up with. I was so Damn. amazed. I was like, I came up with this myself. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. I was so. I was like, is this a dream? <laughs> is this is this Earth Two, Erica? <laughs> you know, yeah. It's uh, a completely different skill, though, writing things like that. It really oh, is. It's the worst. I think pitching is, 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 is harder than actually writing the comic. I think pitching is harder. It's more oh, stressful no, it anyway. Is. It's more stressful. Well, I mean, I, I teach uh, writing at the Kubert School and I actually have a, a three-week lesson called Pitches or Bitches. That's literally the title <laughs> of my, my lecture. And I go through the whole thing about how, you know, yes, you know, unless if you are a super top tier creator, then yes, you can walk into a room with a sentence on a napkin and get a green light. Um, but, you know, even somebody who's mid-level like me can't do that. And certainly when you're just graduating, you're not going to be able to do that. So you have to sort of play the game. <laughs> um, and, you know, and there's a reason because editors uh, and, and submission editors have ridiculous stacks of things. And they're going to look for any reason to make that pile go down. And if you're not following the, the very specific guidelines that they give you, then that's an immediate excuse to chuck it in the bin. And so I get very nitpicky with them and they get very, very, like, very ornery with me and very like, <laughs> you know, you know, I can hear them talking about me around the corner uh, of the halls because the halls echo. And for whatever reason, they haven't realized that when I like peek my head around, it's like, hey, I'm right here. <laughs> uh, but but I, I want them to be to be aware. And pitches, yes, pitches are bitches. That is like the, that's gonna be on my headstone. <laughs> um, but it, but it is the truth, you know, you, you have to be willing to, uh, to put yourself out there and you have to be, you have to have faith in the project yourself. And so many creators, like we're, we're, you know, we try and be extroverts, but in the, in, you know, in reality, we, we really just sort of want to be in a cabin with good Wi-Fi and just write or just draw and not have to deal with the rest of the world. Um, and, and, you know, but you have to, you know, it's part of the, like, do I want to, you know, was, was I wanting to slather makeup on my face while eating dinner with my husband so I could do this podcast? No, that's why I asked Kevin. I was like, is this audio and video or just audio? And he's like, oh, audio and video. I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, he we told my husband, I was like, oh, I got to go put makeup on. You could have just turned off the lights in the room and just been like, I'm spooky. This is how I do it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, whatever, no. man, you're an artist. Do it the way you want to do it. Yeah, I'm already, I'm already, you know, wearing enough black. You know? <laughs> if I turn the lights off, the cat, my cat sleeps in my office. So if I turn the lights off, then he would think that it is time to go to bed. And then he would go in the bedroom and be like, why are you not getting ready for bed? And then all I would hear is him yelling at me because when it's time to go to bed, he tells us. It's so when it's time to wake up, he tells us. He's literally the walking alarm clock. That's so if awesome. you need a 17-pound bowling ball furry alarm clock, I will happily rent him out to you. That's awesome. He's like part cat, part chicken. So that's awesome. He's part something. <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah. So again, we still haven't figured out what the book is Jesus about. Jesus Christ. Well, we got the log line. <laughs> we got the log line. On a different thing. Like we started talking okay. about a bunch of other stuff. Okay, so, so basically. Some... Go, go so ahead, is, lay it out. This is, this is a... Uh, the original, 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 there were three story arcs, okay? So there was a story arc that started during World War II and it dealt with uh, sort of a ragtag bunch, uh, part of uh, the French resistance. And uh, the leaders of this little group was a man named Leif and a woman named Dahlia. Once the war ended, they 
created with some of their French resistant buddies, this sort of cadre that was gonna go after Nazis who escaped uh, Germany before the war ended. So okay. you know that whole thing about that conspiracy theory where Boys of Brazil came from. I love that or, You movie. know, Nazis went to South America or yeah. wherever. So they were gonna go and hunt these guys down, guys and gals. Leif and Dahlia get married, have two kids. And one of them is, is a young girl named Jasmine and Jasmine's brother, Chris. Jasmine is then taught how to be this Nazi hunter and grows up in this life, you know, speaking a bajillion languages and, uh, and traveling all over hell and creation, finding people and tracking them down and assassinating them. Um, when Jasmine, that's the second arc is, you know, Jasmine and Chris and their development. So the first one is Dahlia and Leif and the French resistance in the war and them creating this sort of cadre of assassins. The second arc was supposed to be Jasmine as uh, a young woman being taught by her parents and her brother is killed on a mission. And then she up and leaves. I can't do this anymore. Like my brother was like my rock. I cannot do this anymore. I'm out. And she basically abandons everything and moves to the United States. Um, and that was gonna be sort of the close of the second arc. Uh, she meets and she meets a young man and, you know, tries to start a new life. And then the third arc was going to be uh, Jasmine with this new life, these three daughters, uh, Rose, Poppy and Violet, owning this flower shop. Um, a, a traumatic event happens and Jasmine realizes that she has no other choice but to train her daughters as she was trained. And what had gotten, you know, me so confused and everything was that I kept not I, I kept saying, well, do I start at this arc here where, you know, Jasmine is murdered and the, the sisters come together? Do I start all the way in World War II? Do I start in the middle? Like, and I kept going back and forth and back and forth. And what James did, which was fantastic, was say, okay, look, the real story here that you want to tell is Rose, Poppy, and Violet, their relationship to each other and their relationship to Jasmine. That's the real story that you want to tell. You know, this, this dysfunctional family, this, this family, uh, this three generations of trauma, yes, you will touch on, but you're getting in the weeds and you're just complicating things. So what you need to do is just focus on these three sisters, focus on the, the murder mystery of Jasmine. Is it somebody from her past that's come back to kill her? You know, is it, you know, was it a random murder? Like, what, what is it? There's all these little sort of bits and pieces and clues that, that you know, you have to sort of piece together. Um, but focus on the sisters. And, and once I, I figured out, yes, I need to just focus on these three sisters, it became easier than just, okay, well, when am I going to mention, you know, the French resistance? And when am I going to do this? And when am I going to do that? You know, when am I going to get these pieces in? So I have these flashbacks that come in that sort of harken back to the, the grander mythology of the story. Um, but I don't, you know, take them for pages and pages and pages, mm -hmm. you know, otherwise mm -hmm. this thing's going to be, you know, 400 pages long and it's never <laughs> going to get finished, you know? So I, I had to sort of, you know, done is better than perfect kind of thing. Um, and, and, and really sort of, you know, cut my losses, but focus very, very heavily on this story between these three sisters. And I think that's the richest part that I have. That's the most developed that I have in general. So, so leaning into that was actually the, the, best, uh, the best decision. 
Um, Cause I have some of the stuff in, you know, the fifties and sixties and some of the stuff in the forties, but not nearly as developed as what I have in the nineties. It's great. I mean, I read the the first issue and the whole time I'm reading it, I'm asking myself questions like, who is this person? What are they talking about? Like, I love the little French resistance tattoo on the thumb bit. I thought that was fantastic. And now that I've heard this grandiose kind of uh, pitch down to this, it all kind of, I'm I'm putting together the pieces and I really dig this thing. It's got a really great vibe to it. The dialogue pops. You're you're doing something here that's really, really fun. And I think this is gonna be a really, really great Kickstarter for you. I think you're gonna sleep well. That's what I'm predicting. From your lips to God's ears. You're going to sleep well. (laughs) Yesterday, you you already have like 252 people that are ready to hop on this bad boy, hopefully. So let's go. Right? Fingers, yeah. fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. My, my biggest fear is somebody's going to hear this podcast, not this one, but any of the podcasts and be like, this woman sounds like a moron. No. <laughs> no. She trips yeah. over all her words. She sounds like an idiot and she talks about her cat too much. But, I don't want to back this case. The cool part about being on the word bros is people will go, those hosts are fucking dopes. The guest sounds <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> like it's it's addition by subtraction. Yes, you, we automatically make you look better. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. God! You know? oh, please. If you're hanging please. out with Erica, if you're hanging out with C students, you're gonna look pretty damn good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, Garfield, Garfield had this whole thing where if you want to look thin, you hang out with fat people. Yeah, that Dangerfield so. said that in Back to School too. That's hey, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so you got this thing going on, but I mean, your name is synonymous with quality. You've been doing this for a really long time. I mean, seriously, yeah, that's not a joke. I mean, dude, I know, but it just sounds weird. Does it, does it sound pretentious? Because no, it doesn't. I mean, no. it's like, okay. I don't think of myself like, cause I question everything I do. Like, are, do these socks match in the morning? Like, <laughs> you know, there's so few things that I think I know or correction. There's a lot of things that I think I know. And so few things that I actually know. Um, I'm just really good at faking it. No one. I mean, the thing is, is that like, look, I'm, I'm good at like one thing I can hack it at a bunch of things, but I'm pretty much good at one thing. And that's telling people stories and making them believe it. So I guess I'm a really good liar. That means you're going to be great at Kickstarter, dude. Like, what yeah. are you worried about? <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I have, I've been doing this since, uh, I, I haven't been writing comics since uh, 2010, but I started, I worked at a studio uh, as a, an animator and doing background art and um, some inking and stuff and some color assists uh, back in 2008. And I did some animation. Um, And that's kind of how I got, you know, I've always read comics. I've always been interested in comics. I've always, you know, read, you know, the spider, you know, McFarlane, Spider-Man and, uh, you know, Claremont and Byrne, you know, X-Men and stuff and uh, Aparo, uh, Batman. But I wasn't, um, I wasn't involved in the process and I really had no idea how comics were made. I was that fan who just said, oh, you know, fingers snap and it appears on the shelf. but I was working at a studio and we were working on a couple of different things. Uh, one of them was the Astonishing X-Men motion comic. Um, and so uh, I went in and I was working as the lip sync animator for that. And then after that project was over, we started doing um, some other uh, comic projects. And once they were print comics, I really got to see the whole process between you know the, the layouts and penciling and inking and lettering and, and everything. And, and it was a real education for me. And I had already, I had always written and I had always had short stories and, you know, all kinds of things. And I I thought to myself, I was like, you know, you have notebooks filled with stories that you're doing literally nothing with. You're just, you know, collecting dust. Why don't you see if one of these stories could become a comic or could at least um, 
communicate the story well enough in a comic. And I, and I wrote the first issue of M3. And I, uh, Vicente Alcazar, who was the artist and co-creator on M3, uh, was one of the artists in the studio that I was working at. And I approached him and I, and I uh, handed it to him. And he read it and he came back and he's like, I really, I like this, I, I wanna do this. And ultimately I think we did, uh, I think it took us four years, but we did 12 issues of M3. Wow. Over wow. about four years. And during that time, we actually, as a team, we had gotten commissioned to do a graphic novel. So we actually took a hiatus out of M uh, from M3 for about six, eight months to then do a graphic novel from, uh, there was a novel that was written that they wanted to adapt to a graphic novel. So then we were hired as a team to then do that. Um, and then, uh, you know, we went back to the second arc of M3. But then from that, I mean, as a writer uh, in comics, you really have to create a book. Um, you don't have the opportunity as an artist to just sort of show a portfolio and, you know, an editor looks, you know, three swipes of the page and goes, okay, yeah, I'm going to hire you. I'm not going to hire you. So as a writer, you really do need to uh, get an artist and, and create a book. Even if it's a few short stories, you still have to do it. Uh, nobody's going to read your script. And that's, you know, that's, that's one of the sort of um, disjointed parts about comics, but that's the way the industry is right now. Um, so, so that's what we did. So we used M3 and that was sort of my portfolio piece. You know, Vicente had worked in comics, you know, he worked on Conan and Moon Knight and Jonah Hex and he had, you know, you know, a ridiculously long Wikipedia page whereas I was, you know, this nobody from New Jersey. Um, and so I, I would hand out M3 to editors and it was 20, 15 was actually 2014 2015 was when um one of the marvel editors that i had been talking to uh said oh you know we're doing a um sort of a team up with abc because um disney owns abc as well and there's this tv show and it's called revenge and we want to do a graphic novel prequel to the first season would you want to write it Damn. and i'm like holy crap so that was, you know, 2015 was when I really got, uh, 2014, 2015 was when I got my first paid writing gig, really. Uh, and, and, uh, and then after that, I worked on Swords of Sorrow with Gail Simone, and I was very lucky to be chosen to work on that. Uh, and I co-wrote a story with G. Willow Wilson for that. And then I did another one of the one shots. And then, you know, it's basically like every book that you do is just another little extra step. Um, it's another opportunity to meet new creators, to meet new editors, to really sort of uh, network. And I think that's what a lot of people have been kind of worried about, you know, not having conventions this year um, is losing out on the networking opportunities. But I think you can still network a good amount on, on social media. Um, and, I, and I've seen a lot of people doing that. And doing this Kickstarter in and of itself is a way of sort of getting your name out there and networking. So, you know, trying to look on the bright side. Yeah, but that's not even because you did some Xena stuff too, some Xena yeah. Warrior Princess stuff. You did some Charm stuff too. So I mean, you're like the king of TV kind of crossover stuff, right? Like you got you get all them hot jobs, right? Like that's all. I, you. I would, you know, I mean, I I've been trying to get Transformer stuff, <laughs> not giving me any Transformer stuff. My husband is like the biggest Transformers fan in the world, and part of his collection is actually my collection from when I was a kid. That's awesome. Um, Who's your Transformer? So, which one? Which one's your favorite? Uh, out of all of them? Out of all well, of I, them. Oh, out of all of them. Oh, my God. Well, okay. Let's just, I got to get this out on the table. Okay. I don't consider post-movie seasons, okay? Okay. When Optimus Prime died, 
That's it. I died. That yeah, was same, it. same. I did not you. watch anything beyond that shit. Because <laughs> yeah, so Rodimus not, Prime is some bullshit. I'm okay, you. so if it's not G1 season <laughs> one or two, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. I'm sorry. Do not talk to me about RC, fucking Springer, Cup. I don't give a shit about Wheelie. I like Springer and, in the movie. I won't lie with that. Springer was in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I liked him in the movie. I liked him in the movie. That's good with him. But no. <laughs> no? All right. No. I love the finger right. waving. I love the gatekeeping that's going on here. I think it's so yeah, I, will, I will gate it. I have, there are ridiculous transformers in my husband's office right now. Like the, the glass case with the shelves and the things. Yeah, all of that. Shockwave. All of that. Shockwave was my dude, so. A Soundwave too. I like both of them. My sister had Soundwave when we were growing up. She had Soundwave and she had uh, she had Starscream. Um, I had Blaster, and okay. I would say my favorite. Okay, well, I'm gonna say my favorite was uh, was um, Smokescreen, but it's only because he okay. was the first big one. Because everybody, everything else was the mini bots that I got. So I had gotten like you know the Cliff Jumper and the last mini bot I ever got, and it's still in fantastic condition because I barely played with it. Was Beachcomber. That's awesome. Okay. So okay. I have Beachcomber and I have Pipes were the last two mini bots that I got, but Smokescreen was the first and and actually only of the the bigger bots that I got. So uh, I got him for Christmas one year. So I will have to say Smokescreen. Although in terms of the TV show and the cartoon and the characters, I loved Jazz and I loved Grimlock. Yeah, Grimlock. Yeah, and I, I had my first one was Sideswipe. So I was I was having a special like place Do in my heart. You have any of the, the Omnibots? No, I didn't have those. I saved my points. Okay, <laughs> I saved my points and going. I saved them in Shrapnel's chest because you know the Insecticons mm -hmm. open yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So I saved all my points in Shrapnel's chest and nobody could find them. <laughs> and I uh, I got Overdrive. Wow. I mailed it and when it came in the mail, it was in this nothing, like nothing white box that had <laughs> nothing on it. I was like, what is this? But it was it was like this weird thing when I just opened it, it was like, oh, and he had the wings that came out and he had the guns. <laughs> he was the dopest, dopest thing. And he had the gun and where it flipped in the front because he was the far, he flipped in the front. Mm -hmm. So awesome, yes. All right, so tell me your tell me your Transformers pitch. Like somebody says, okay, here it is. IDW comes knocking <laughs> on your door. Erica, we want you to pitch Transformers, what you got? Look, okay. <laughs> I love James Asmus and I love Sam Maggs, but I talked about Transformers and My Little Ponies and G.I. Joes years ago. <laughs> years ago, because my My Little Pony Pegasus were the air support for the G.I. Joes because at the time, okay. before the aerial bots, mm -hmm. okay, and mm -hmm. the only flyer that the Autobots had was Power Glide. Yes. Okay. So the Cobra would hide in my giant Lego castle. Because remember when they did the medieval Legos? Yes. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I had my giant medieval Lego castle, and that's where the Cobras were. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the unicorns could teleport. So the unicorns, the G.I. Joe would ride the unicorns, and they would teleport in, or they would ride the Pegasus, who would fly over, and they would drop their, uh, they were the air support. And then I would the read this. And once the unicorns were in, <laughs> all right, they'd be able to get the drawbridge down and then the Autobots can roll in. Okay. I talked about this on a podcast years ago. And then freaking, I, then they got the ponies and the. Oh. <laughs> and I love Sam's. I love Sam Mags and I love James Asmus. They're both 
fantastic, incredible, incredible creators. And Sam actually was kind enough to write the introduction to uh, Forgotten Home when we did the uh, trade paperback. But I swear to God, my heart broke so hard <laughs> when I saw that announcement. And I was like, but I was my childhood. <laughs> yes. So like who's your G.I. Joe then? Yo, there you go. Yeah. Lady J, man. There is yeah. nothing uh, but Lady J. Yeah. No offense to color, no offense to cover girl, no offense to Scarlet, no offense to Jinx. Lady J, J. is my she was the toughest one, I, I would say. Yeah. And she's Destro's cousin. You remember that episode? No, I don't, I don't know that. But Destro's my favorite one. So like I, I was always like when they when they did the now see it's the opposite for G.I. Joe for me. Like when they did the Serpentor, I was kind of like, uh, first, and then Destro had his so like weird. No, it was Serpentor weird. was dope. I'm not gonna lie. I you mean, liked I, it. I didn't I like did, it. I loved the 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 gene splicing of it when I was a kid. When I was like nine or ten, and they're talking like they're going to all these places and getting all the DNA. I'm like, this is the craziest shit I've ever heard. Like yeah, that actually like, made my head explode. But he's like part Sergeant Slaughter. He's yeah, like, he's like part. I know. He's, he's Julius Caesar. Part snake. He's Genghis Khan. He was and he, Julius Caesar. Julius yeah, and you know what that's Genghis called? It's called Khan. Bill and Ted. Yeah. <laughs> but it was still fun to see, like as a kid, like wow, that's a really great idea. They're just gonna put them all together and make this super soldier. And I love the fact that Cobra Commander was jealous of him. You know, the funny I really thing enjoyed that, that stuff. The comics, Cobra Commander was a used car salesman, literally a used car salesman. Mm -hmm. And then the movie, he's part of an alien reptile race yeah. that's lived on Earth in, in Cobra La. Like, <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> what? The G.I. Joe movie is, is trash. It's it is. garbage. But, but see, that, but I liked the Serpentor angle because Destro got his own little faction. But then they changed his helmet to gold, like his, his head to gold. And I was like, oh, I don't like, but he had an ascot. So like, you know, I weigh him. I'm like, if they had a silver head Destro with an ascot, like in the trench coat, I'm in. You know, like- um, it, You have a thing for a, ascots? Did you like the 90s Spider-Man with- uh, Bobby loves the ascots. I love, I love wearing ascot. I wear but, them to but, all the shows. Like but Destro looks classy with wear ascots. Bobby doesn't look as classy as Destro. With no, I don't, have a, the, I don't have a silver head either. But you could get you a silver <laughs> you know, head, Bobby. That's the look hard the episode. There's an episode <laughs> where you learn about Destro's mask, where he came from this like old Scottish family. And it was like, it almost like felt like kind of like a Doctor Doom kind of like mask. With it was a punishment. Thing. I remember this episode. Okay. Yeah. And... Uh, Lady J was, was uh, you know, her lineage was Scottish and there was this whole thing where she finds out that Death's, that Destro is actually like her cousin, like they're like second or third cousins. Yeah. That is some crazy genealogical shit right there, son. Think about getting that in the mail where you feel like you're reading your family's history like, what? Destro's my cousin? This is a bullshit. <laughs> Fuck you, 23 and me. I ain't doing this anymore. I'm getting on my unicorn and teleporting into his castle. I love, I love the fact that you're playing with all your toys together. That no, I, I like that too. Because that's what I, the joke was. I do that with my kids. Like we have superhero team and we have a Barbie and a Hawkman and like a little in, uh, invisible man and all these different people come together and we just hang out. And like, that's how we play and it's fun. But you know what? But but what it does is it it allows you to sort of, First of all, it breaks down all these like boy toy, girl toy bullshit. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because growing up, I think I had, I think I had more GI Joes and Transformers than I did Barbies. You know, <laughs> I had the one Barbie from Barbie and the Rockers, and I played that single cassette constantly. 
And I probably like my mom, my mom and dad probably wanted to murder me. My, my older brother and sister probably wanted to murder me too. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, this idea of like, you know, boy toy, girl toy, whatever, it just breaks those barriers down. It's like, look, we're looking at these, what are their skill sets? You know, like get into like the Liam Neeson, like, what is your skill set? I have, <laughs> I have a, a very specific set of skills. Okay. What can you do? You can teleport and you can also hold a GI Joe on your back. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. I dig it. Oh, man, so for the Kickstarter, what is your, what is your? <laughs> for the Kickstarter, for the what book is, that you're supposed to be promoting, Erica, instead well, of talking about fucking GI Joes and. But I mean, but, you, but you people got to get to know you, Erica. They're and give you some money. You even said yourself that you've done what two? That was it, two thousand or five thousand of these things today. Two thousand or five thousand. I can't remember the number. I, I've, I've, I have done legitimately. This will be my third for the day, and I yeah. have another three tomorrow. So let's just have fun and hang out, man. There's no pressure here. I mean, you can shill all you want to, and we'll get to that, and we'll promote the shit out of your Kickstarter because this book is great the kickstarter launches may 11th correct yes yes so the may kickstarter 11th. launches may 11th the the book is called the what it's the deadliest bouquet the deadly yeah. apparently the deadly bouquet the deadly bouquet okay the dead no, no no the deadliest bouquet is the name of the book because the deadly bouquet is kind of a harlequin romance novel <laughs> really I, I do my trademark research okay <laughs> it's kind of like a harlequin romance novel that's already out and i was like i do not want there to be any crossover or anything like that so yes, The Deadliest Bouquet is the name of it. So that's Love out it. on May 11th on Kickstarter. Yes. You're going to do all this stuff. You're going to get it done. I know you are. Again, you're- 120 pages. That's a lot of pages. Do you have a favorite reward was going to be what I asked. Uh, my favorite reward. Well, so we've got Elaine Grace did a fantastic print. Um, I'm actually doing sort of like very- um, very tight shots of the sisters and then we'll reveal the whole print next week. But Elaine Grace did a fantastic print. Um, Kevin Wada did an amazing cover for the book and we're getting journals made with the, um, with the Kevin Wada cover on it. Uh, there's this great company called Danique that you can make uh, custom journals. I've made custom for forgotten home journals for the forgotten home team and sent them out. Um, they're fantastic journals and uh, they're a great company and um, please give me more discounts. And uh, <laughs> so, so we're going to get journals made up. That's one of the, uh, that's one of the tiers you can get. We're getting uh, temp tattoos because uh, one of the characters, Violet, has this beautiful tattoo of a yellow rose, a red poppy, and a purple violet. So we're going to get temp tattoos for that. And uh, we've got pins and stickers and prints and you can get yourself drawn into the book. Although nice. we're, we're only saving that for three people because I don't want poor Corolla to have to sit there with like 50 pieces of reference and have yes. to draw a million people. Yes. Um, I'm even, there's even going to be script reviews. So uh, for the highest tier, if you do that, then um, I will, I will do a script review of your comic script. Um, so yeah, so we've got, we've got a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we're doing kind of like a blind box. Um, I got this idea from Jimmy Palmiotti, who always does uh, with his paper films, uh, with he and Amanda Connor with paper films, they're always doing Kickstarters. And um, he did this idea of, you know, I've got this closet full of comps, you know, from the last 30, 40 years, how, how am I going to get rid of them? So it's a sort of a blind box where, you know, you get the book, you get this, you get that, but then you also get like an, another number one that I've done. That's you know, cool. it could be 12 Devils Dancing or M3 or Xeno or Charmed or, you know, whatever. Um, you get sort of another random number one that I've done, you know, that, that, that gets shipped out. So 
That's all. I mean, no, think about that. Reward. You have enough comps. You've done enough stuff that you just have a closet full of comps that you're just going to send out to people. That's got to be a really great feeling. You're going to smash this Kickstarter goal. No problem. You're going to be fine. You're going to be From fine. your lips to God's ears you're gonna to my be, bank. You're going to be <laughs> fine. That's awesome. So I was going to ask you about that. If you were going to do a reward because you mentioned you teach, and I think that people would really appreciate your insight on things of, of, of the like scripting or pitching or anything like that at all. So I do. I, I, I teach writing at the Kubert School and I teach story. I see. I, I actually teach two, two different classes. I teach uh, script writing and I teach story adaptation. And uh, the script writing class, we go through the fundamentals of scripts, the fundamentals of storytelling. Uh, we have pitches or bitches, which is, you know, yeah. one of the lessons yeah. that we, that we finished up recently. Um, and, and, you know, and I basically just, you know, even if they don't want to be writers, if they want to just strictly be part of the art, having a, having any exposure to scripts, to interpreting a script, to looking at how um, a writer is going to explain stuff, well, you know, what the writer is really trying to say here, what the writer is trying to communicate on the page. Um, I think it's important for them to sort of just be exposed to it as opposed to, you know, just here's a script, draw it. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of nuance that the artist brings to the script. Um, and if you, I, and what I try and teach is like, if you're doing a 20 ish, a 20 paged script to do as close to a 20 paged uh, script that you get. So if you're doing a 20 paged uh, uh, comic, then your script should not be, like 80 pages, like just not. <laughs> um, I, I was very lucky. I, I got to letter a, uh, a digital story for Alan Moore a couple of years ago. Uh, Leah Moore uh, is a fantastic writer herself, uh, Alan's daughter. And um, she was working on a digital project and uh, brought me in. And it was, a, it was an eight page story and the script was something like 32 pages. <laughs> oh my and God. But that's Alan Moore. So yes. Alan Moore can do that. He can do yes. that. Yeah. Alan Moore can do anything he wants because he's Alan Moore. But if you're, you know, gonna, if you're a, a newer writer and you're handing in a script to an editor or you're handing a script to uh, to an artist, don't do that. You know, <laughs> I, I, I teach them. Let, wait, gotta Let me write that down. Don't do that. <laughs> you've got, got it. You've awesome. got to learn the rules and you've got to play by the rules before you can break the rules. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, you know, there are certain rules that, that, you know, are people will be like, oh, well, that's bullshit. Well, okay, then do a Kickstarter, you know, do, do it on your own. But if you're going to, like we talked about, like submission guidelines, there's, there's a reason why there's submission guidelines. There's a reason why there's, there's all these different things. Um, and, and it's basically to make an editor's life a little easier. Um, but you know, people, people are going to be people. People are going to people. People are going to people. Humans are going to human. You're exactly right. And hopefully humans will back your Kickstarter that launches May 11th. Just go to Kickstarter. You can search it now, Erica. This is, you, this is going to be fine. You're, so you're, when, when the deadliest bouquet funds, Erica, and, and you, and you get to your goal, what yes. kind of ice cream you're going to eat after, after you get there? I'm gonna ask my husband to make me homemade ice cream. Oh, really? Wow, do you have like that's a homemade, next level. Do you have, do you have like a, a machine, like the, the churner and all that shit? You know what's funny is like, okay, so we have a, uh, 
um, like a mixer, like the, the KitchenAid mixer. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And that's one of, you can get like a million attachments. Like you get like a pasta maker, all this other stuff. That's one of the attachments that you can get really? is that, 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 you know, bowl that you stick in the freezer and it's got like all the layers. Mm-hmm. And so we have that. Um, and so he will make homemade ice cream. My husband, I mean, if you've ever come to my table at a convention, which I'm sure both of you have, because I've seen you at conventions, um, we are, we're always offering you cookies because my husband loves to bake. (laughs) So my husband makes, he likes to bake. He likes to make homemade ice cream, all this other stuff. So if we fund, I'm going to be like, baby, can you please make me homemade chocolate chip ice cream? Ooh, nice. There you go. Vanilla ice cream with chocolate chips. And he better do it. I th- and you know you what? deserve the extra chocolate chips, Eric. Exactly. He will. He More will. chocolate chips on the top. Big yeah. things are going to happen for this Kickstarter. It launches May 11th. Get some rest because you've got like 10 podcasts to do tomorrow and then all this yeah. other stuff. We've kept you entirely too long. Thank you for coming on. We really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much for of having course, me. Of course, of course. Honestly, you guys are the best. Thank no. you. You're welcome anytime. Stop it. You're oh, don't even best. start. Cause I'll be like, the next thing I have to promote, I will yeah. be like, hey guys, can I just come on your podcast? Yes, yes. yes. I promise, I, promise yeah. I won't bitch about having to wear makeup. You can, <laughs> and totally you can, can complain about Transformers and, and My Little Pony all you want. We don't care. Any, you know, any IDW, come on. How has this not happened for you? I mean, like you do all the, you do everything. Xena Warrior Princess. How much fun was it to work on Xena Warrior Princess? That had to be awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun. The funny thing is that I didn't watch Xena when it first came out. (laughs) Nobody did. I I didn't didn't either, either. but I have an appreciation for it now. Now it's But then it turned into this thing. And then it's like, okay, you have to watch it now. Yeah. Um, No, Xena was a hell of a lot of fun um, because I hadn't really, I I had only done a little bit in the sort of swords and sorcery kind of thing. And I've always really liked, you know, Greek mythology and and it's had like this really sort of, uh, uh, you know, tight anchor to things like Greek mythology and with the Hercules and all this other stuff. Um, So I had a really good time doing that. Um, And I I did one, part of the story arc that I did is I did a two issue story called Xenicon and it was basically making fun of comic conventions. That's awesome. <laughs> and I don't know if everybody understood it <laughs> and if, if people really got the satire of it, but it, it, the whole idea was basically making fun of, you know, comic conventions and Xena had gotten so popular in, you know, word of mouth that uh, uh, Autolycus had uh, turned around and, you know, said, oh, well, you know, I know Xena and started basically a comic convention for Xena. That's awesome. And you see these Xena cosplayers <laughs> and you see these, and you see these, uh, 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 God, what, Gabrielle cosplayers mm-hmm. and you know, all these people and everything. And they're walking through like, where the hell are we? <laughs> Sounds wonderful. <laughs> so yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah, dude, um, come back anytime, please. Thank Again, you so you, much. You like to talk. You're a good time. You're fun to have on. Please come back whenever you'd like. It'd be awesome. Thank you. May 11th, the deadliest uh, bouquet. Is that, I got that right? Yes, the deadliest. Yes, you got it right. Okay. I keep wanting to think boutique, but my, because my brain is dumb and it's 1030 at night and I've been adulting all day. So yes, the deadliest. I was going to say, and you have yes. kids too, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're asleep now, so it's fine. But yeah, so May 11th, <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. Congratulate. I'm going to say congratulations now. Way to go. 
Don't jinx me. No, I'm, you'll yeah, be I was, was going to say the same thing she said, but I mean, you'll, I'm a little. All right, you know what? I'll, I'll edit that part out. I'll take it. Okay. That. I don't want to get the yips now. It's like I was telling you <laughs> the video the other day. Like, I drive a stick shift car, and when I stopped at a stoplight one day, I, I actually tried to, like, understand the mechanics of it in my in my head. And, you know, like, the manual transmission, you clutch, and this, and the next thing. And when the light turned, I then forgot how to drive. <laughs> That's fun. And I'm like... Gave myself the yips. And you're in Jersey. That's bad. You're getting honks. Oh, no, I wasn't. Somebody was going to rear end me. <laughs> in, in New Jersey, all of the all of the the street signs and all of the 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 mile per hour signs and everything. Those are all just suggestions. Suggestions. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Stop signs are suggestions in New Jersey. Uh, a friend of mine on Long Island one time told me that the stop signs with white around the edges are optional. My brother told me that <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I didn't understand it at first. But when I was 14 years old, driving him to the to the hospital because he fell off the roof and broke his arm, <laughs> and I drove us to the hospital in second gear because at the time I didn't understand a stick shift because oh. that's when I learned how to drive stick, driving my brother's rabbit to the hospital. Oh, wow! With him screaming in you know, oh, you're stripping my gears. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's you know, that's that was my fun my fun time driving. <laughs> where did my brain go I, my brain is is fried but no genuinely thank you so much of course of course uh, Anytime. you guys are the best and be good enjoy get some sleep we all need it we all do erica thank right. you so much thank you guys bye, bye. Erica Schultz. Her Kickstarter launches May 11th and it is called The Deadliest Bouquet. Oh, I like the way you said that. You got like very, you got, you had a very announcer voice on that. It was Thanks. like, in a world. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I'm working on, I'm working on some stuff. I'm working on it. Are you using that for like a, like a, a Bob, a, a Bob France video? Like the, the, in a world where Bob France is awesome. No, I don't think no. I need a video uh, no. to promote my awesomeness. I think we're good. Yeah, I think you're right. You're pretty awesome. Are. You're yeah. pretty awesome. So are you, Kevin. So Thank are you. Sir. And you know who else is awesome? Erica Schultz. Well, yes, of course. We just had her on the podcast. Um, but who else is awesome is Gamal Hennessy and his fine, fine people over at i had the info right in front of me now it's gone where did it go i can edit all that stuff out that's the agreement um c3 i believe where is it there c3 it is. you're right c3 uh contract hey. contract consulting something no creative contract yeah. consulting that's it. is what it's called jamal right. hennessy is a comic book attorney and a business consultant who helps comic creators develop viable businesses for their art where was he when we started doing these comic things kevin he could have helped us he, well, he can help us now bob i know he can and we can find him at creativecontractconsulting.com that's where gamal is if you have any questions if you're gonna sign a contract for uh your comic with a company you need to reach out to Gamal. He offers free consultations for his potential clients. You can contact him to set up a meeting at www.creativecontractconsulting.com slash C3 
contact Kamal Hennessy and the fine, fine people over at Creative Contract Consulting. And when you go there, tell them the word bro sent you. Yeah, and he'll be like, oh, those guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those idiots sent you? So Yeah, man, that was fun, man. Erica's cool. We're glad we had her on the podcast. Uh, her Kickstarter is going to be fine. I think it'll be fine. I read the book. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was cool. So yeah, so congratulations to her. Good people. Good people. Yes, we like having good people yes. on the podcast. Good people. So uh, we'll be back next week with more good people. Who those people are, I'm not really sure because who we have it on next? I don't, I don't know who we have on next. Oh, Tony Gregori. Oh, that's good people. It is good. Speaking people. of good people, wait till you see his new apartment. It's really nice. Um, <laughs> He's going to give us a tour. Yeah, we saw it on. We had a Zoom meeting with him. We saw his new place. It looks really nice. It's, it's the good. bachelor bed of Tony Gregori. A lot of light. A lot of light in there. Yeah, he needs it. He's an artist. It looks good. So yeah, so we'll be back next week with with our buddy Tony Gregori. He's going to be talking about the worst dudes. Um, so yes, thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs> You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com. <laughs>